Hello, everybody. Welcome to From the Sidelines. My name is Noah Tyree, and I'm here with Chad Davis, Devin Davis, and Josh Duvall. How's it going? How's it going? And today, we're going to talk about some sports. Feel free to follow us on our Instagram and Twitter, at VFTSPod. Don't forget to subscribe to our iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube accounts. And send any questions or comments to us at VFTSPod at gmail.com for our mailbag segment we do every other week. And thanks to everyone who joined our Predict the Pick contest group, we'd like to give a shout-out to Marines152 for coming in first place, followed by Man69.5 and Tip Easy, with an honorable mention to friends of the podcast, Alex Talk Stuff, and, of course, Devin Davis coming first in our podcast group ourselves. And now, here's a word from our sponsor, SeatGeek. Are you looking to buy tickets for a concert or sporting event? Look no further than SeatGeek. SeatGeek is an app that makes buying tickets easy. They rate each seat on a scale of 1 to 10 based on their value. Make sure to download the app and use our code FTSPOD to get $20 off your first purchase. So guys, this past weekend, Marvel's Avengers Endgame came out. What do you all think about that? Yeah, I'm super excited about this movie. I haven't been able to see it yet, but I'm going to see it tomorrow. And Infinity War was one of the best movies I've ever seen. And apparently Endgame is just even better than that. It was demolishing box office records and already has a $1.2 billion made. Hey, Chad. Hey, Chad. Hey, Chad. Guess what? Yeah, what? We don't care about Endgame. We care about the 2019 NFL Draft. Devin, how about you kick things off for us? And as we predicted on the FTS podcast... Our boy Kyler Murray, quarterback out of Oklahoma, went with the first pick of the 2019 NFL Draft to the uh, um, insane Arizona Cardinals. How would we how would we describe this pick? Senile. Uh, That's a good word for it. Big dumb. <laughs> big dumb. <laughs> also a good word for it. Uh, I would like to react with the word bah. It's not a word, but that's how I reacted. <laughs> Well, I feel like if they make the right moves here, they made a couple other draft picks along the way that kind of made more sense towards Kyler and his play style. But overall, I feel like there's a lot of room for error here. Uh, you know, being 5'10 and all at quarterback. Obviously, he was good in college. He won the Heisman. But I'm just not sure that's going to translate well into the NFL. He's just, he's just too small for me. He's 5'10". And he went number one in the NFL draft as a quarterback. I don't... <laughs> see that working out and also i don't know how well the cardinals offensive line is are going to do protecting him yeah they have a lot of holes on the offensive side of the ball um they did their best to try to patch these holes but there's still still a lot to be desired on the offensive side and there were better options do we like uh kyler murray better than josh rosen at least oh well yeah i would say so the entire country yeah all right Josh Rosen was a disaster, absolutely. I guess we'll find out, though. All right, and we also nailed the second pick of the draft with Nick Bosa going to the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, any thoughts, or is this a sure thing, smart pick? No sure, questions very asked. Very smart pick. Smart. Very smart pick. Yep. Yeah, uh, one of the TV analysts, I forgot their name, uh, had brought up that they already have the Forrest Buckner on the defensive line. So Buckner and Nick Bosa on the same defensive line, and I think a 3-4 scheme is unheard of, and that is absolutely beautiful. Very smart. As far as like he goes, I, I'm not worried about him at all other than getting injured. I think that's the only thing that would stop him. Yeah, his durability has been a real issue. 
Do you all think he's going to be as good as his older brother? No. Uh, that's, a, that's a high, high it, standard. It'd be, it'd be a bold to. statement to say so, but. I just don't see it happening. Joey's insane. I feel like Nick Bosa was the better prospect coming out of college, but I feel like Joey Bosa will accomplish more things. That's agreed. Yeah, agreed. And uh, moving on to the third overall pick, which I ended up calling. I don't know about you all. Uh, Quentin Williams, defensive tackle out of Alabama to the New York Jets. Uh, what are your all's comments on this? Well, we didn't we didn't say these teams were smart though, did we? <laughs> <laughs> Probably should have been the obvious pick there for the Jets, but they can do them. He's not a bad player, but honestly, just like our our mock draft, I would have I've taken Josh Allen. Yeah, and I also would have taken Josh Allen the next pick or the next pick or the next pick, but that didn't really pan out. So I do understand this pick to a certain degree. Uh, they're putting Quentin Williams next to Leonard Williams, which is a very standout defensive end in his own right. So putting a nose tackle like Quentin Williams next to him makes a lot of sense. I guess all the other need is the uh, left end. And uh, I feel like they, they could work this defensive scheme out on the defensive line with him. But at the same time, you could have went a little better. Maybe somebody with a little bit more quickness for the quarterbacks of the uh, NFC East to keep up with them. Uh, but uh, all in all, I guess I can see a move wrong or right. And also the Jets, they added a new defensive coordinator as well. So... Hopefully they can really help out their defense Absolutely. going into next year. And moving on to the fourth pick with the Raiders tanking their tank. Cleveland hey. uh, <laughs> Farrell at four? Did I, did I see that right? Unfortunately. Uh, Not unfortunate for me, but unfortunate for the Raiders. Sounds like the second worst pick in the draft to me. I don't know about you guys, but uh, I think Josh Allen is the much better edge prospect. And I think uh, 99% of people would agree with me, except for uh, the Raiders. Mm-hmm. And, and if you really wanted him that bad, you could have traded down. Yeah, absolutely. He, he could have still been there just in the first round. Uh, I would have personally graded this pick like an F. But uh, some analysis, a lot of analysis rated this at a C. That's being generous. That's doesn't being see, very generous. Doesn't C mean average? Uh, I would call this pick uh, terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this would be an F minus. F minus. I concur. I uh, guess that's why. I guess that's why uh, you trade Amari Cooper for the twenty fourth pick. Yeah, Raiders gonna Raiders. Let's just make fun of them and move on. Yep, I think we can all agree that that was an awful pick. All right, moving on with pick five, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking Devin White. The Kwan Alexander replacement. I like the pick. Um, everybody knew this was going to happen, and I feel a lot of people had this projected if uh, Devin White fell to five. Uh, Buccaneers stayed true to what they wanted. Yep. Yep. I completely agree here. I feel like the replacement here is well needed. Uh, to me, this is my pick for rookie DPOY. Uh, his speed for the linebacker position is unparalleled to anybody in this draft. Uh, let alone on the draft video on draft night, I saw him go from the middle of the field to the right hash mark on like the 40 yard line, on the completely other side within a matter of three seconds. So he's able to get to that tackle in time to prevent any big plays. I feel like this is a big pick for them. 
Oh, yeah. He's really explosive, and he's great off the blitz. He's physical, and he can run with anybody. So I think it was a great pick as well. For any of you fantasy football IDP players, Devin, what's your guy? Indeed. And now moving to the pick of the draft that, that I'm sure has Giants fans all over America thriving, going with quarterback Daniel Jones at six out of Duke. Any thoughts on that? Well, for one, um, I want to say that I think we can all agree that there is another quarterback prospect that's even better. And the fact that he went top 10 is just unbelievable. I think this top 10 pick is based solely on development by New York and the fact that he has a higher ceiling than maybe more of the other quarterbacks because he does have the frame, he does have the size, and he does have the accuracy. We cannot take that away from him. But at the same time, this kid played in the ACC of college football. And not only that, but played at Duke. So that means he had to play against the defenses of Clemson and maybe North Carolina because they have good defense. But uh, I don't I don't see him in terms of talent turning over to the NFL side. I just don't. Can I have the floor for a second? Well, absolutely, Chad. We love okay. when you have the floor. Okay. <laughs> I don't think Daniel Jones is good at football. I mean, look look at him. He looks like he should be in a law library reading books. <laughs> and get a, get a load of this stat. He played against six ranked teams and was one in five and only threw three touchdown passes in those six games. So I don't know why they took him here because, one, there was better options, and two, Josh Allen was there. He fell to six. Or you could have traded down. And, like, look what Haskins did at Ohio State. He threw 50 touchdowns last year and only eight picks against Big Ten opponents. And heck, even Drew Locke, he even set the SEC record for most touchdowns in a season at 44 back in 2017. So, again, I'm sorry, Giants fans. I feel for you all. And I'm just glad I'm not one of you today. The worst part might be that Dave uh, Gettleman, after the fact, tried to explain that Daniel Jones would be sitting for three years behind the, the corpse of Eli Manning. Gotta gotta love that for Giants. Also, they traded Odell Beckham, so uh, I feel feel bad for Saquon Barkley. And enjoy yep. not having a quarterback throw more than twenty five touchdowns in a season for the next five years, Giants fans. I feel bad for all the New York fans. It's tough to tell which is worse, James Dolan or uh, Dave Gettleman. They're both trying to ruin their franchises. <laughs> yep. All right, I think it's time to move on to pick seven for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Our boy, Josh Allen. All right, I feel like this would be a very good pick considering they're putting him onto the same linebacker core as uh, Telvin Smith and among many others. And just that defensive unit alone will be as stacked as it was about two years ago. And uh, when you get a linebacker that uh, led the SEC in sacks uh, all together against competition like... Uh, Quentin Williams, even, uh, you have to put that into consideration. And this guy can play all over the field. You can have him come in through the blocks or you can have him back up and guard a tight end. Whichever one you want him to do, he can do it for you. This is a great pick by Jacksonville, and they're definitely the smartest one for picking him up. You got to love when a two-star prospect out of high school with their only other author was Monmouth gets picked seventh as a top edge rusher. And then um, ESPN analysts like Booger and McFarland have the audacity to say that Kentucky has bad coaching. And once he gets better coaching in the NFL, 
it's un it's unprecedented what he could do. Okay. Now let me stop you. Let me stop you there. I gotta have the floor again for this. Uh, I'm sorry. This is the last time. Uh, so Josh Allen going to the Jaguars. Good move. Beefs up an already stout defense. Saxonville will be lived up to its name by all means. And Mr. Snot McBooger Farland over here goes on the ESPN broadcast and has, says uh, Josh Allen needs better coaching because Kentucky, I guess, does not have the coaches to develop these two-star recruits out of high school and leading them to the seventh pick in the draft. His coaching at Kentucky led Kentucky football to 10 wins in a season. That's unheard of for Kentucky football. (laughs) And heck, even the Chiefs hired our defensive coordinator. Like, what more do you want from our coaches? And yes, I'm sure the guy that got drafted from Alabama State. I'm sure Alabama State has elite coaches. Yeah, (laughs) no one said anything about that. But no, the Kentucky coaches... No, we need better coaches than Kentucky coaches. Like with the with the record breaking season like he had, I just don't understand in any way how he was held back because he had an insane year and Kentucky got to a bowl game and they won it and he was a huge part of that team and he had a huge impact and I don't think that he was held back whatsoever. Josh Allen out of high school only had offers from Monmouth in Kentucky. Mark Stoops and company developed him into the seventh pick in the draft. If that's not good coaching, I don't know what is, but anyway. All right, well, with Chad's rant being finished, I think it's time to move on to the eighth pick with the Detroit Lions and TJ Hawkinson. Well, I feel like this is a good pick. Uh, The tight end out of Iowa uh, feels a need for Lions that they haven't had in a while since Ebron left. And uh, I feel like with his run blocking, that's uh, a little better than most tight ends that come out of the Big Ten. Um, I I really feel like this can run for them. Uh, Matthew Stafford also has another target to throw to. His hands cannot be discredited from him. And because just based off the film I saw from the draft show, uh, he has hands really well for a big guy his size so i feel like matthew stafford will enjoy him in the vertical attack all right so chad and Devin, since i know you both clearly disagree somebody take the floor this was a terrible pick apparently the eric ebron uh, experiment did not go as planned when you look at a tight end that amassed only what 11 touchdowns over four seasons in detroit and then single-handedly topped that with the colts with 13 touchdowns last season i don't know what makes the lions think that a tight end in the first round is the direction they should go in because apparently they didn't learn their lesson the first time but that that's exactly what i was gonna say i was gonna bring up eric ebron but you you just stole my thunder with that so i'm kind of in the middle about it uh i do like tj hawkinson but i do kind of agree that they definitely failed with ebron but i can't deny that he's a really great tight end and he's really versatile and he's really good oh don't get me wrong i like tj i like i think he's a good prospect i just don't know that i like him eighth overall to a team that has had bad experience with tight ends i think it's more of detroit not knowing how to use tight ends can we agree right yeah that's right that's agreeable yeah all right well moving on 
to the ninth pick, the Buffalo Bills taking Ed Oliver. I love this pick. I love it, too. Kind of surprised he fell to nine, but when you get a value, get a player of value like that at nine, you got to take him. So he'll, he'll, uh, he'll be a special player for them, probably. Especially when you look at how Oliver was misused at Houston. Um, Major Applewhite didn't really have the defensive scheme, I think, to best cater to having Ed Oliver uh, pressure up the middle. A lot of comparisons say he's Aaron Donald. Uh, I'm not sure he's quite that uh, good. Yeah. I don't know if that elite. But uh, when you look at the havoc he was able to wreck uh, while being double teamed practically every snap at Houston, um, I think he's a great, great fit for Buffalo. Yeah, well, one thing I have an issue with, it's not necessarily an issue because he's a really explosive player and he's obviously proven himself in college, but like he was getting double teamed quite often. And with his size, I don't really know how that's going to transition to the NFL. All right, and now we've reached the 10th pick where we had our first trade of the evening. Uh, an exciting move up for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, and then they got their guy in Devin Bush, inside linebacker out of Michigan. Any thoughts on the trade up and then the corresponding pick? The One of the smartest moves in the draft to me because the thing Pittsburgh's lacked uh, last two years is the replacement for Ryan Shazier. Uh, they finally found a guy that has the size, the speed, the physicality that Ryan Shazier had before he got hurt. And if you take a player that was Big Ten Player of the Year in a conference that's barely known for any defense, meaning they're not the scouts aren't even looking at you half the time in that conference, and you are able to stand out that much to get that uh, award. I feel like that has a certain stigma to it that means that you're going to mean business when you come to this league. And for Pittsburgh to pick them up and pick up a guy that can cover Shazier's spot like he did, that captain general middle linebacker slot, I feel like they got this down pat. I like the pick. I'm just, I just think they gave up too much for it. Uh, I mean, when you look at the fact that the 52nd pick turned into Drew Sample, a wash, tight end out of Washington. Uh, that's a good one. I'm sorry. Um, I don't know that it's. I don't know that it was terrible trade. Uh, if you want to move up to get your guy, I don't know that a second round pick is necessarily the worst price to pay. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I feel like it was a good pick for the Steelers and a good move by them. I think he'll fit their scheme really well, and I think he'll do very good on their defense. And moving on with the 11th pick of the draft, the Cincinnati Bengals taking Jonah Williams out of Alabama. Uh, this was needed. Uh, they've lacked a tackle since Andrew Whitworth. And uh, I feel like this is a guy, uh, just based off the film I saw and seeing him in the playoff, uh, this guy's uh, agility for a tackle is up there for most tackles in the draft. Uh, his big frame, big size, his quick feet, it's the perfect – uh, tackle that they need to help develop the younger quarterback that's coming in and um, to protect the rest of Andy Dalton's short life. Yeah, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree with what you said about his agility. Like, with his size, he is probably one of the quickest players at his size and position in the draft. Definitely. Absolutely. I'm just salty. Why are you salty, Chad? My teams, every time there's one pick left, before a guy that I want my team to draft, they get drafted. The biggest one being Devin Booker with the Thunder. Yep. And then this one, this one goes up there. Jonah Williams, one pick away. Packers desperately needed him. 
and the Bengals went and took him when they needed a quarterback. I mean, I, I love the pick for them because obviously they need it, but you got to do something about Andy Dalton, though. Yep, I agree. Uh, there were two weaknesses here, and it was that tackle and quarterback spot. And uh, with the QB available uh, during this time, uh, Dwayne Haskins, um, I could see why this could be seen as a bad pick. But at the same time, like I said, they needed that offensive line help. They did. And they still do need offensive line help. But this is just one more slot to help them probably protect the future of their quarterback spot. Yeah, I was about to say, even if they did take Dwayne Haskins at this spot, they wouldn't have taken Jonah Williams. So they would have done nothing with their offensive line. So Absolutely. That's my point. So either way you can look at this, it, it doesn't matter. You can have a fantastic quarterback, but if you can if you can't protect him, that means nothing. Yeah. And moving on from Cincinnati's pick, we're gonna go uh, to Green Bay's draft room where they decided to draft Rashawn Gary, defensive lineman out of Michigan. Uh, I want to ask the Packers fans in this podcast, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, when you look at uh, the fact that he was the top high school recruit coming out of uh, high school when he first committed to Michigan. Um, he was definitely a hyped prospect, um, but yet the production didn't translate uh, when you look at his sacks totals over his time at Michigan and kind of the impact he made. Um, so it's a very risky pick, I would say, and not one that I think the Packers should be making necessarily, but I'll, I'll, leave, the guy, I'll leave that analysis to you guys. Yeah, I'm... I'm just I'm I'm gonna agree with that. I'm a little worried about his lack of production, and also recently the report of a shoulder injury that may or may not require surgery. And if it does require surgery, that's kind of frightening. But I'm also worried about that, and also the future of how his shoulder will hold up and his durability. And yeah, it's a hit or miss. You definitely need him to be as healthy as possible if you're a Green Bay fan. Here's my thing. The Packers recently have had a history of bad draft picks. And I'm sad as I say that. And you have the 12th pick in the draft. You can't be taking risky picks like this. This early in the draft. I don't like the Rashawn Gary pick. He's, he's not as good as I think, I think you should be if you're the 12th pick. Um, maybe, maybe he'll be good. I don't know, but he could also just be a complete bust. But with that being said, we'll move on to the Dolphins pick Christian Wilkins. Uh, shout out to Noah for calling this one. Exactly. Got I already it. told you, man, when you can't name anybody from the defensive line of Miami for the last three years, it's time to get some help. Yeah, I think he's going to fill up a lot of holes that they have there. And obviously, he can be an impact player right away. But I don't think that it's going to translate on the field very much, considering just one guy out of a bunch of issues on that entire line. I think it's uh, safe to say that the Dolphins are in the rebuilding process. And yeah, you can definitely tell they're rebuilding. And they have a plan for this real rebuilding process. And uh, they're going to stick to it. Uh, they're building out the trenches from the inside out and the rest of the team. And then they're going to probably wait on an elite quarterback prospect for these next years, especially the 2020 class with somebody like Drake Fromm. And uh, they can build up this team the way they need to. And they're already going at it smart with Christian Wilkins, just based on the way he played 
uh, in the championship game this year against Alabama, you can see the pressure he can bring to an offensive line. Not a lot of people can keep up with him. Right, and uh, the Miami Dolphins, they allowed 145.3 rushing yards per game this past season, and adding a guy like Wilkins will definitely help out, help them out in that aspect. And moving on to the 14th pick, this is for our boy Noah, the Atlanta Falcons taking Chris Lindstrom. Yep. Out of none other than Boston College. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. And uh, I, I I can see this pick being there. Uh, a guard out of Boston College is not exactly the draft way I thought we were going to go, uh, especially with a prospect grade of a 5.9. Uh, it's not the way we were looking. Uh, I understand that he's in the Boston College School Hall of Fame for his guard position. Uh, but... <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, that was a little that's funny. overwhelmingly... <laughs> yeah. It's ridiculous. And... Uh, that's just one of the few mistakes about Atlanta that I would love to talk about. But uh, you, I understand his athleticism for a guard is there too. He ran a four nine forty uh, for a guard, but he also had only twenty five reps uh, bench press for a guard. And uh, if that to put that into perspective for you, uh, Shaquem Griffin with one hand did almost thirty. So I don't know how this pick will turn out for us. I understand that we need the offensive line help to protect Matt Ryan and his luxurious contract, but there are other needs on this team. Cornerback being one of them because we lost Robert Alford. And you need to go after the skill positions first. I'm sorry. You just do. I'm not sure uh, I've seen a worse quarterback under pressure than Matt Ryan. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's true. Uh, it seemed like every snap I watched of him last year, he was falling back on his butt. So I, I understand the help needed here, but uh, to go to an ACC school like Boston College and get a guard like him, uh, I feel like we could have got a much more uh, physically built guard than athletic guard. Well, I just feel like the defensive issues were a bigger priority. Oh, Absolutely. But Especially in such a stacked defensive class, I don't understand why they didn't go defense. Absolutely. Dexter Lawrence was available. Uh, Brian Burns was available. Uh, Montez Sweat was available. So uh, there's a lot of defensive options that we could have went for that we didn't get. And uh, that's the mind of Arthur Blank and uh, everything that he does. So welcome to being an Atlanta fan. All right. Well, I'm sure you're happy about that. And moving on to the 15th pick with the Washington Redskins getting Dwayne Haskins. This is my favorite pick in the draft. When you get the best quarterback prospect in the draft, you don't have to trade up to get your favorite quarterback. Um, You have the likes of Daniel Jones going nine picks earlier to your NFC East rival in New York. Uh, This is a great move, great draft for the Redskins. And they don't have to roll out Case Keenum week one, so that's a plus. Yeah, it was a great pick, um, and especially when two not as good quarterbacks go before him, and you're getting the best one at, like Devin said, pick 15. Like that's a no-brainer. You have to jump on that. I I agree. He is definitely a great pick, and his short passing is extremely accurate, and I think he's going to do very well. The only thing I'm worried about is his deep passing. Uh, he has a really strong arm. But I think he's a little inconsistent, but I definitely think that that'll develop over time. And I think this is exactly what the Redskins needed. Uh, Now, as we continue into our first round draft recap, 
uh, we'll begin highlighting some of our favorite, worst, and most significant moves over the course of the draft. Uh, let's start with the Packers trading up with the Seattle Seahawks uh, to move up to 21 to draft uh, none other than Darnell Savage. <laughs> Okay, sorry. I said last time was last time, but this is the real last time. Mm-hmm. Why are we taking Darnell Savage in the first round? Two, why are we trading up for Darnell Savage in the first round? He was can't say he was on my first round radar. <laughs> and we traded up to get this man. I'm pretty sure he still would have been there at the Saints pick that we had. I I don't get it. The Packers have all have had all kind of safety issues. Granted, that's because we traded away all of them. Again, dumb front office moves by Green Bay for you. But again, and th- this is another one. Now maybe maybe he works out. I don't know, but I just don't see what the point in trading up for uh, a player like him is. Not to mention the fact that they signed Adrian Amos off of the Bears defense this offseason, so they already fixed uh, one of the safety positions. I don't know that they needed to trade it up to get the second one. Yeah, and one thing I'm worried about with Savage is whenever he's close to the line of scrimmage, uh, he's 5'11 and 198 pounds. I feel like that could be a big liability for the Packers. Well, that's why he just needs to stay back and use his freaky fast athleticism to cover a lot of ground yeah that's true and moving on we're gonna go to the next highlight and that would be the philadelphia eagles trading up for the 22nd pick and getting andre dillard what a what a what a swindle they really they really moved up right in front of the and right in front of the texans to steal their offensive tackle i love the move i love the move playing the draft board yeah, it was definitely a fantastic move considering the Texans really wanted him. And obviously doing that, it didn't really work out for the Texans. Uh, the next pick because they ended up with Titus Howard, which was <laughs> uh, needless to say awful. But yeah, Andre Dillard and the Eagles, I think it'll be a great fit. Why uh, nobody absolutely. went Jawan Taylor, I'll never know. Yep. That, the best uh, prospects. that was my biggest surprise of the draft that Jawan Taylor did not get taken in the first round when... I think everyone thought the Jaguars would take him at seven. Well, I, I actually agree with this pick because they're going to need to re- find a replacement for Jason Peters. Uh, he's about 37 years old now, still playing left tackle, and uh, they need to find some youth there. Uh, they're going to keep up with the agile defensive ends that are in all 4-3 schemes that are rushing you from the edge. So I think this makes a lot of sense, but also uh, the complete most savage GM ever uh, is Philadelphia. So. All right. And to conclude our highlights of the first round, we're going to finish up here with pick 26 by the Washington Redskins, who happened to trade up and ended up getting Montez Sweat. Well, in in some right, Montez shouldn't even drop this far. Uh, There were too many defensive line needy people in this draft that could have got him. Like, for example, Tennessee, instead of getting Jeffrey Simmons, they should have got Montez Sweat. that's my opinion. I feel like he shouldn't have dropped as far as he did. Yeah, no, I completely agree with the pick. Um, I honestly thought that he should have been like a top 15 pick even. Um, the fact that he fell to 26 uh, is fantastic for the Redskins, and I think it's safe to say that the Redskins had one of the best drafts. 
Yeah, I can't I can't believe that I'm saying this, but uh, Dan Snyder did something right. And uh, <laughs> Washington should be jumping for joy right now. And their future is for once in a very dark age bright. And my favorite pick of the draft has to be the Atlanta Falcons moving up 14 spots to get the best offensive lineman left on the board. Caleb McGarry. <laughs> Almost as bad as the Boston College guard. I'm sorry, Noah. It's unfortunate what the Falcons no, did. No, 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 no. This is what this is exactly what happened. We went from a guard out of Boston College that's just complete agility to getting another tackle for our offensive line that's socially awkward and has already been called out for maybe being a cancer in the locker room because one day somebody started to play R&B music in the weight room and he cut it off. So this is exactly the type of personality we need in Atlanta. Yeah, we can't have Juwan Taylor. No, he's too he's too good. We gotta get. The... Why would we need Juwan Taylor? It's not like we have five other Florida players that we know from your recruiting base that already know we're talking about them. That makes no sense. All right, and moving on from the NFL draft, time to get into the NBA playoffs round two, conference semis. Let's kick it off with the 76ers and Toronto Raptors. Uh, Toronto. I would say that Toronto is the luckiest team to be up 1-0 right now. Uh, you should not win your basketball game, especially in the playoffs, uh, when two of your people score in double digits. That shouldn't work. If it was not for Kawhi dropping 45 and Pascal dropping 29, we would, they wouldn't even won this game because their next leading score right there was nine points with Kyle Lowry. Mm-hmm. Playoff Kyle really coming in hot, ain't he? Uh, when isn't he? I just don't think Kyle Lowry is a guy you think of when you think of elite point guards in the NBA. I don't know. I don't, why, you, I don't know why you guys always dog on my guy Kyle Kyle Lowry. He still had a plus minus of twenty five. He acts like I don't know. He you guys act like he's the Worst player on the court when he's out there. I mean, Fred Van Fleet only had a plus minus of plus three. It's not like, you know, the, I don't know. I don't know that you guys are giving Lowry the credit he deserves. I will. I will give Kyle Lowry this. He did do very well facilitating the ball. You know, he had eight assists and that's one strong suit of his game that I'll give to him. But as far as points goes, he hasn't contributed. And when you play 38 minutes a game and, you're one of the considered to be, you know, one of the best players on your team. You have to perform in the playoffs. And that's one thing that I feel like we keep stressing and stressing over about Kyle Lowry. Yeah, it, it's unacceptable by any guard, not just Kyle Lowry, to play 38 minutes and only score nine points. Unacceptable. I mean, he only had one turnover, though, so I don't know that he's necessarily hurting you. Yeah, he's just he's bad. <laughs> okay. Change my All mind. right. All right, I think that's a that's a good recap of that game. Let's move on to the Boston Celtics and the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, this this surprised me a lot. Um, they won by twenty two against. I think Giannis. it surprised everyone. I think it surprised everyone. And Al Horford's defense on Giannis. Giannis got swatted a few times by Horford, and that was just incredible to watch. I don't know if it's just me, guys, but I feel like when Al Horford plays in the playoffs, he plays like collegiate Al Horford straight out of Florida. Uh, I don't know what it is, but this man puts on a show. He gets 20 and 11. Uh, he puts up the big shots, and he apparently gets the big blocks. I, a huge commemoration to him. And there's no doubting uh, Kyrie Irving's abilities as well. You know, he got 
11 assists, uh, as long as 26 points, definitely leading them to that victory as well. And a lot of comparisons that game. He had a couple fadeaways that people said looked like Kobe, so that's something you could think about for the future. Would it be a foolish reaction and an unfair jump to conclusion that this series might be over? Uh, yes. I feel like it's a little too early. Definitely a little too early for that. My uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, well, I watched that whole game. I just realized the Celtics are actually not as bad as we think, and maybe the Bucks aren't as good as we think. I, I will say that the Celtics are finally, they finally seem to be coming together as a team, and they have done better recently, but, you know, I, I just can't be against Giannis and his abilities. You know, if he struggles in one game, I feel like he's going to learn from that and just come out the next game extremely strong. I don't know that you can expect Eric Bledsoe to only contribute six points when uh, he, he's playing as much and as well as he has this past season. I, I agree. And uh, back to what Josh was saying, uh, the Celtics are finally getting together. And uh, I think we should play a large part in that to Brad Stevens. Uh, without his coaching, I don't think uh, five players who drop double digits would drop double digits without his coaching. Uh, they were pretty low on morale. And uh, yeah, it's pretty big to see what he's doing here and getting them into the playoffs and getting them one lead in the semis. I also feel like uh, Pat Connaughton got way too much playing time for no more than what he's worth. I, I feel like he was probably one of the Celtics' best players considering all the shots he hoisted up that he <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah, I completely agree with that. And I think that's a, that's a good note to move on after. Uh, let's move on to the Rockets and Warriors. This one I'm excited about, especially because of the referees uh, playing a factor in this game. What, do you all, what are your thoughts about that? Okay, so this is the best way I can put it. It's the wolf that always cries, you know. Uh, he gets a lot of calls in his favor, and I think we're all used to that. So when he does get a call, we don't see the call. But th- this game in particular, they were blowing a lot of calls that was very blatant. A lot of knee bumps, a lot of foot placements, landing on ankles, a lot of foul shots that should have been called fouls. But at the same time, there were a few shots where James Harden was kicking his feet, doing the old Reggie Miller. And you're allowed to do that to an extent, but this man looked like he was hitting 30 yarders in the 60th minute of a soccer match. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you got to look at it both ways from that point. But I, I do think the officiating needs to lighten up there a little bit. <laughs> I agree. And especially at the end of the game, you know, that last that last play that they missed, it, it really played an impact. And, you know, as much as I hate, the Warriors. Um, I also hate the Rockets, so I'm not really biased. Uh, it was there were a few blatantly missed calls by the refs there. But th- let's not all put the blame on the refs here. The Rockets were playing stupid. They at the end of the at the end of the game, they had Nene guarding Steph Curry for the game, like the game leading three. You don't do that. That's the most idiotic, profoundly dumb thing I've ever heard in my life. No doubt. And you're asking to get beat on a playoff setting if you have somebody who's, what, six foot 11, that's 35 years old, that's been around since my lifetime. No, you need to get, no, you need to get the switch and put somebody onto him, like, I don't know, Chris Paul or somebody, just somebody not in an A. 
<laughs> no, we were making faces while you were talking because I was trying to talk, and then you just kept on going. No, I was making faces because you guys are dumb. Why are we dumb? Why are we dumb, Devin? <laughs> Why are we dumb, Devin? You're you're trying to roast the Rockets for having Nene guarding Steph Curry. It was a pick and roll when they switched it. I don't know what you want them to do. <laughs> they have Nene on the court for defensive rebounding. You can switch back by the time you're... What? <laughs> you so can Steph can drive back? past you and go to the rim? I don't know that you can switch back. Nene was literally... Okay, okay, all right. I don't... Whatever. Also, Nene played good defense. I don't know that that was b- no, good, bad defense. I will it was just send you offense. the clip. I've seen the clip. <laughs> Nene was right there contesting and in the space. One last thing before we close up. I wanted to talk about the Nuggets and Spurs game seven, which ended up being a really great game, except for the first half, which was <laughs> completely brutal to watch. But I've never in my life cheered harder for a team that I don't care about more than the Nuggets in that game seven. Uh, any thoughts on that game? No, you're exactly right. Uh, it takes me back to my childhood with like Melo and AI when Denver's in making it past the first round of the playoffs. Like, I, I honestly can only remember from a certain time age that Denver made it to the second round of the playoffs. So I'm a thrill. Yep. And all I've got to say is Jamal Murray. Yep. Speaking of Jamal Murray, I called it when he was drafted. The Nuggets got a steal uh, with the value that they got as after how far he dropped. I knew it was a steal from the get-go, and he's proving that now. He's only 21 years old, making clutch shots in the playoffs. Like, whenever the Spurs would cut into the lead, uh, Murray was there to just put the multiple daggers to end the Spurs season. But you have to applaud the Spurs, though. They were clearly the less talented team, and they took them seven games in and had a shot to win the series. So I like, I like the Nuggets moving forward. And I would like to give a huge props to Michael Malone, um, or Mike Malone, however you want to call it, uh, for figuring out how to develop a player like Jamal Murray the way he did and having him be able to hit the big-time shots that he has. And because uh, without that coaching and without that development, uh, we'd be talking about a very major upset right now. Can someone please explain to me why the Spurs did not intentionally foul with 20, 22 seconds left? The Spurs coaching staff was irate. Popovich was halfway to the half court line and they just wouldn't foul. They just stood there and watched as the clock ran away. I, I, I have no. <laughs> Old, old pop, <laughs> old pop is up there in age. Maybe they didn't hear him. I don't know. Maybe don't he's know just not no, able to express was... his voice as loudly. I don't know. <laughs> they weren't in danger of fouling out. I, I don't understand. No, I'm good. <laughs> I think they just sense. wanted. I think they just wanted to end their season. I think. I think they were done. I think they were done. And I think that's a good spot to wrap it up. The sponsor for the podcast is SeatGeek. SeatGeek is an app that makes buying tickets easy. They rate each seat on a scale of 1 to 10 based on their value, being good or bad. Make sure to download the SeatGeek app and use our code FTSPOD to get $20 off your first purchase. And don't forget the code FTSPOD. And that concludes our NFL Draft Recap episode. If you would like to follow us on Twitter or Instagram, we are at the FTSPOD. 
please send in emails to theftspod at gmail.com. Bye. Bye. Have a great time. time.